0: Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast of board gamers and the insane fun we have over the last eight years. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. And this is our special anniversary episode number eight on episode 339. Our happy anniversary episode. Happy anniversary, Anthony. Woo! (laughs) Yeah, eight years. That's a number...
1: It's not quite 10, but it's more than 5.
0: Yeah! <laughs> it is that, my friend. And there's there's a lot to talk about here, but obviously, we did it. If doing it is 8 years of a thing. <laughs> then, it is. Then we have done those things.
1: <laughs> it means we are 80% of the way to a much more impressive number with 2 digits. <laughs> We're getting there.
0: Well... I mean, eight's got two zeros if you turn sideways. I don't, I don't know. So Infinity if you turn it sideways. <laughs> <laughs> it is, in fact, our eighth year on the podcast. And not just on the podcast, but, of course, eight years of events, eight years of charity events in particular, eight years of conventions, eight years of programming, eight years of YouTube videos, eight years of streaming we've done from time to time and just 8 years here with you as your friend at the table talking about the latest and the greatest in board gaming. So hopefully, you know, that 8 years has gone <laughs> great for you too because again, you know, we talk about this each and every week. Really we're in this for you. We really enjoy having you at the table with us to to have a chat with us, to join us, to be our friends at the table and talk about the most important thing of all time in the world of course board gaming my friend board gaming absolutely
1: yes <laughs> yeah i've i've spent an inordinate amount of time with my board games in the last 3 weeks from packing them up to unpacking them to reorganizing them uh I've not played any of them recently, (laughs) but I've spent a lot of time with them. And I know what I own now very, very carefully. So uh, It's fun, though. It's fun to look back over the last eight years. We do this every year. And we look back over the last year in particular to see, you know, in the last 12 months, what did we talk about? What did we really want to buy? What did we end up playing that we loved? Uh, And it's always a lot of fun because you look through that list, you're like, wow, we did a lot of stuff in the last year. And I, you know, you forget, when things happened or, or what you were talking about, what was happening at the time. And uh, it, this is our chance to kind of go back and, and discuss that and run through it and kind of redirect you back to stuff
0: that is fun for us as much as you, hopefully. Sure. And especially our feature, you know, reviews or our feature episodes. Those are pretty important because we really try to craft new evergreen content. So, It's not the same top 10. It's not the same feature. It's not the same featured game. We really try to come up with ideas and concepts and philosophies and themes and critiques that hopefully will help you get the best games to the table and also have a lot of fun with those games outside of gaming. Because again, so much of the games that bring us enjoyment, bring us enjoyment not just for getting those games necessarily to the table, but to think about those games, talk about those games, as Anthony said reorganize those games, move those games. Maybe they'll be have to be an episode in the near future about how to move your board games because Anthony just did it <laughs> and I'll be doing yeah. it in like a I guess less than a month, I'm moving myself, so my collection will be moving. So we might have to do a how to move your board game collection safely. You know, I will say this, Home Depot recently changed the size of their small
1: boxes. They don't work anymore for board games, so you got to go know. to Lowe's. You got to go to Lowe's or
0: U-Haul. Those Home Depot boxes are out. Sorry. Wow. All right. Know. Well, that, right there. Good note. See? Bringing mm-hmm. the most important things in board games. <laughs> cardboard, man. <it's> cardboard.
1: <laughs> yeah. It was 16 by 12 by 12, which was perfect for the like, ticket-to-ride boxes. Now it's 11 yeah. by 11 by 17. I'm like,
0: what are you doing? Yes. Come on. Ba- bad on you people. Bad on you Home Depot people, because... <laughs> For many reasons, not just that. Many reasons. Many, reasons, many reasons, yes. <laughs> just another one of those reasons. So yeah, hit up Lowe's for many reasons. They're they're better, but obviously now the board game boxes. So now I know, Anthony, thank you, because I'll be boxing this and other things up relatively soon. So yeah, that's great. Uh, so much to talk about our about our favorite from the past year. And I will say this at the end, but I'll say this also at the beginning in case you don't get to the end of the episode, but please do. Thank you so very much for your support, your friendship, your dedication to the podcast and everything that you do to support BGA, getting our word, getting our message out there, getting board gaming out there. Um, we're partners, we're friends in getting more great games to the table, but also getting more great people to the table. So, um, Thank you so very much. Every time we hear from you, every time my Facebook thing pops that someone has just liked BGA for the first time, whether it's on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or 800 other things, or as I torture Anthony to know how many listeners listened that week. Um, that's important to me because the relationships are important to me. So, And I, and I know it's important to you too, Anthony. So, Absolutely. Um, th- thank you you all for anything ever that you've done even if it's just listening um of course thank you especially to our patreon backers who help us financially make this possible i know this has been a very difficult time for everyone so we really appreciate the patreon backers helping us financially support bga for the last eight years um we would not be able to be here financially if not for all of you Everything that we're doing here and all of the upgrades and the videos and the streaming and the events and the especially the charity things that we do every year would not have been possible without your financial support. But everyone, you're doing so much, whether it's financial, whether it's sharing, whether it's telling people about the podcast or telling publishers or designers about us. Because one of the things we also don't do, and this has been a recent thing inside the industry is... Um, we don't take paid reviews. We work for the people that listen to the podcast who want independent, you know, critiques and support of great board games, but we don't take money for that. And we try to always act as ethical as possible so that when you listen to the podcast and we've heard this from you, you know that we're being straight with you, we're being honest with you and that, you know, someone's not filling our pockets in order for us to kind of give you give you a like a, a rosy review of something that's not great. Because nothing worse than spending money and getting a game to the table and just does not work. So again, thank you all so very much. It means so very much to us. Thank you for listening to the episode. This is eight years. Let's go on to uh, start of year nine, Anthony. Let's do it. All right. So what do we have up for our question of the week? All right. So.
1: It's uh, it's not the middle of the year, really, but for us, it kind of is. This is our middle of the year, and honestly, the month of July is a blur. I don't remember what happened. Um, there's the there's
0: time? When did time start being a thing again? I don't know what you're talking about. Know,
1: cr- you, you tell me we recorded episodes, and I see them because I upload them to the internet, <laughs> and then I'm like, I don't remember doing that. I don't remember saying that. I don't remember talking about that. <laughs> um, is that a problem? It might be a problem. I don't, I don't even know what we're
0: doing here.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but as a halfway point, it, in terms of releases, at least, because of the convention season, which sure. is still technically happening for some reason, um, I asked everybody, as we get into the latter part of the summer, what is your favorite game release of 2021 thus far? So we're talking about the whole last year, but I'm asking sure. people to think about the last seven and a half months or so um which is fun because especially with covid you know maybe we have some of these games chris you and i and we just haven't had a chance to play them yet i know several of these i do have and i just haven't been able to play yet because i don't have people to play them with or we just haven't had a chance to find them because there are no conventions or whatever it might be so it's it's fun to talk about these and you know see what people are hyped about um so let's run through them uh andrew chang says imperial classics and legends david bator jumped in and said absolutely as well I have these. I have not had a chance to play them outside of like some introduct, you know, some basic solo stuff. Uh, so, want to found them the other day, <laughs> digging through my boxes. I'm going to play it soon. We'll talk about it. <laughs> uh, we've got Kyle, which is actually a friend of mine from Pittsburgh, which I had a chance to see before I left. Uh, talk about juicy fruits. This was okay. a, a game from Capstone Games, which actually looked really cool. And you talked about this
0: a few weeks, I did. A- months ago. Yeah. yeah, it was acquisition disorder.
1: Yeah, so like a bunch of people jumped in there. David and Andre, and a couple other people said, Yeah, this looks great. It looks amazing. And Kyle, in particular, who recently got it, said, You know, day one, they played it five times. So he's <gasps> yes. super hyped on that game. Yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so now I want to try it out as well. Yeah. Uh, so Andre mentioned Oath and Card Rails. Um, Oath by a mile is his favorite game of the year so far. Uh, nice. I've only played Oath one time. Sure. And it was kind of like a mine came in two weeks before we moved. I'm like, we have to play this with my game group back in Pittsburgh before I leave because I'm the guy who has it and we <laughs> played it and it was fine, but it was very evident that that game needs to be played at least three or four times before you can even begin to talk about it. So yeah. I, I don't really want to talk about it. I had fun, but I don't know if it's good for me yet. So we'll get to it. Um, Shane mentions Adventure Tactics Domain's Tower. So I've heard a few people mention this. This was on Kickstarter a couple of years ago. This is basically like Final Fantasy Tactics, the board game, uh, which sounds really cool to me, but it's also a big (laughs) sprawling thing that's kind of on par with like Gloomhaven in terms of like a big campaign game. And I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. So I don't know, maybe I'll meet somebody who has it at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, David mentions Ankh, Gods of Egypt. That just shipped to everybody like in the last month and a half or so uh, from Simon. So he loves it, just finished a game, wants to play it again, really enjoying that. I want to play it. I didn't back it because I backed Kemet instead, which I also loved. Um, but this is the problem with no conventions. Is like, this is where I would normally play that. I would find a way to play it at a con, and now I just have to find somebody in my new home <laughs> where I don't know anybody yet. You have Vonk? Do you have Vonk?
0: Um, yeah, I think, try I that think out. technically or legally, you were only allowed to own one. So it's, that's what I it's said. Ki- yeah. it's kind of weird. Nonetheless. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so
1: Carlos made a point. He said, I own 21 games published in 2020, but only three games published in 21, 2021 so far. So ask me next year around the same time. I guess <laughs> uh, he picks things up a little bit slower, waits to see if anything's any good. Doesn't have She's... like that cult of the new that the rest of us have. We just buy it before you know anything about it. Um, AC Holt mentions Power Rangers, the deck building game which okay. I didn't know existed until a few weeks ago, but apparently it's you, a thing and people are all about it.
0: Well, people love Power Rangers, man.
1: I know, yeah. <laughs> uh, Andrew mentions Beyond the Sun. Um, only played it on Board Game Arena, but played it a bunch of times. I really love Beyond the Sun. I, I know you and I diverged a little bit on opinions on that, but I enjoyed it a lot, mm-hmm. both physically. I bought my copy back last December, I think, um, and online. And then uh, a couple more here. John mentions Excavation Earth and Tom mentions Coffee Traders, which very niche on Coffee Traders. I love it, but it is a very limited number of people I think who are going to love that game. So <laughs> um, uh, You heard my review where I was like, it's amazing. It's a buy, but just make sure you play it first because it's big and expensive, but it's great. But just for me, maybe. I don't know uh so there you go there are some recommendations from the uh bga audience of their favorite games of 2021 or 2020 yeah 2021 so far um i don't know which ones if ours were 2020 or 2021 for later we'll talk about but uh it's been an interesting year so far for many reasons obviously mm-hmm. we'll, we'll get into that
0: absolutely all right so that's what our listeners are talking about let's get on to our acquisition disorders, Anthony. All right, so
1: for whatever reason, uh, Capstone Games is just going to release every game they have for this year in the next three months. Um, Mm -hmm. So they put up another pre-order. I I talked last week about Boone Lake. I mentioned briefly the uprising from Aracaibo. Um, The week before that, they put up Imperial Steam, which is a limited pre-order. And so their new one, which went up for pre-order a couple days ago, is Corrosion. Uh, And this is actually like, Way up there on Board Game Geek right now. It's either number one or number two on the hotness. Uh, Number one as we're recording this. Um, I think yours is actually number two. (laughs) But it just popped up there yesterday. Mm -hmm. And it is a game. It's a brand new designer. uh, Stefan Bauer. And it is a game in which you run a factory. And you deploy the workers. The engineers. And you're trying to build an engine. It's an engine building game. But what makes it unique from other engine building games. Is that the engines are quite literal. Like you are building a machine, which means the more often you run that machine, it the more often it corrodes and breaks down, right? So y- each machine you build or each engine you build is going to have a limited amount of times it can run. It's going to break down over time. And he, they're calling it a temporary engine builder. So you have multiple different paths to victory. Um, there are gears and different types of machines. And if you get the deluxe edition, you get the actual little metal gears to play the game with, which is pretty cool. Uh, And on your turn, you're either going to play an engineer card and turn the corrosion wheel of your factory. Um, Those are two different actions. And and when you play the engineering card, you're going to be able to, you know, gain new machines, um, upgrade them with different engineers, different abilities, all that cool stuff. And if you turn the corrosion wheel, you put the machines to work. You actually get them to do stuff, um, get the engineers back into your hand. uh, So you're taking your workers back for future use. Uh, but again, those gears and machines start to break down a little bit. So, you know, we're looking at, you know, you're trying to build this up. And it almost reminded me a little bit in a weird way of like London, where you build up this whole tableau and then you activate it and then bad things happen to you. So you want to activate it at a time that it's as efficient as possible to activate it. Um, I have not had a chance to play it on Tabletopia. It is up there. You People can go and play it uh, or get a chance to play it there. Uh, but yeah, I'm pretty excited for this. It looks cool. It has a solo mode. Um, it has a follow action, which I know the designers talked about a little bit, uh, in terms of that was like kind of where he started with the mechanics. He wanted a game with a follow action that does seem to make it a little long. I have obviously no one's really played the physical version yet, but follow actions almost always make a game long. So, um, you know, there's a couple of certain games like that. We'll see how it does in terms of you know table time when it's, once it gets out. But I'm pretty excited about this. I was going to pass it first when they put it up because I've already pre-ordered a couple things from Capstone. And I'm like, eh, I'm kind of at my limit. But watching the video, reading through the rules or like the rules summary, um, I don't know. I, I think they might have me on this one. So uh, that's Corrosion, uh, designer Stefan Bauer, Capstone Games uh, and Deep Print Games. And that is coming sometime this year with boats being the way they are. Who knows? But I think they said November, hopefully.
0: Yeah, I saw this as well. And this was going to go on my acquisitions disorder. The the layout of the game, the pieces, uh, you know, there's just so, you know, I think you get to a point when you've played enough, you know, board games that you could just look at a board game and you're like, I like that. There's just something
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> about yeah. the way it's laid out and, and how it seems like it kind of it pulls together. The artwork looks nice, the graphic design seems nice and clean. And it seems to be a really interesting, you know, you know, concept to kind of move forward with. And yeah, Capstone does generally a very solid job with um, all of the games that they put out in that kind of genre, whether especially when it's new stuff. So and I think Pegaspiel is, is on board with this too. So, yeah, hopefully this designer is the new hip, you know, kid out there. So really looking forward to it. Yep. So speaking about hip kids, uh, you know, the hip is of all kids. Anthony, he's <laughs> yeah, our yeah. he's our boy Vitaliserta. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> speaking of uh, past moments at the table, you know, I was like, oh my God, Vitaliserta! It was like a, it's like fanboying there. So, oh, so much, so much. Oh, my God. I'm like, yeah, he's right over here. So, yeah, and it's, it's kind of funny, too, because you go to these conventions and you get to see, like, all of these designers and stuff and you get a little star starstruck. It's kind of like, mm-hmm. it's really a weird kind of experience. It's like, I don't know. We, that, that's probably just a bigger discussion for another day. But, yeah, Vitael sort of a cool guy and somehow he keeps churning out the games and I'm just always amazed that they... Offers such different complexity levels and also the fact that thematically they're very different from each other. I mean, I love Uwe Rosenberg and I love Stefan Feld, and Feld's a little better on this, but like usually the games are around the same type of things, and Vitaliserta goes out and finds a theme that no one ever thought about doing. So here I think he's going the most out there, out there. Uh, right. this is weather machine. I think we mentioned this briefly. It's about research, publish, and run a prototype to fix extreme weather that you just provoked. So um, imagine if you would, Anthony, just imagine this for a second. It's going to take a little bit. But imagine there was a (laughs) – yes, go deep. Uh, Imagine there was extreme weather in the world for reasons Uh that we uh, caused.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Who would do such a thing? Who would do that? Who would cause extreme weather on purpose when
0: they knew what they were doing would cause extreme weather? Yeah. So Mm. this might be an allegory for something, but probably not. Um, So it turns out that you are part of a scientific team that creates a weather machine in order to obviously stop these catastrophes, but also give certain people nice sunny days uh, and so forth and so on. Everything you could imagine that a weather machine would do. Now it turns out that when you mess with Mother Nature, she messes back. So there is a butterfly effect to when you mess or change the weather in one area, changes something else somewhere else. So you are here to create, design, run, and hopefully uh, power a machine that's going to be able to save the world before the catastrophes you know, swallow it up by your own v- inventions. Now, what's really cool and amazing about this, we don't have a rule book yet, uh, but they recently released a piece of artwork by Ian O'Toole, the cover here. Yeah. And I think Anthony said it best, where he said they finally let like Ian O'Toole like off, you know, off the chain here. And they were just like, yeah. do, do a thing. Yeah. And he did a thing, <laughs> man. Um, yeah. I, I think it's one of the most innovative, evocative pieces of artwork I've seen for a game box in quite some time. I,
1: I absolutely loved it. Yeah. I, a friend of mine in, uh, discord posted it and I I like immediately I was like oh my god and actually had to zoom in I'm like that's even a tool right just to make sure because usually everything for him is just like simple block like it's beautiful but it's it's flatter you know yeah this is so there's so much texture to it they're like make something steampunk and he's like oh yes (laughs) I'm gonna do it (laughs) um
0: and like early
1: early prototype stuff of the game boards and everything else like it's just oh it's gonna be such a pretty game
0: I think he had versions of this online, right? Some people were, like, playtesting this.
1: It's on Tabletopia. Invite only, I think, still. But you can join his Discord group, which I think there's a link somewhere on BoardGameGeek. I'm in there. And he posts pretty regularly when he's doing playtests. I don't know if they're still playtesting this, because the Kickstarter's, like, in two or three months now. So they might be done. But... There was a, a long period of time for like two years there all throughout the pandemic where he was playtesting this game and you could go and, and try it out. Um, I think I, I I went in and watched one when he was doing like a partial teach because I didn't have time to play. But um, yeah, it's, it's really pretty. I don't know. And like the cover really drove it home.
0: Yeah. And it looks like a really solid game. It, and there's so many different elements here at play. And it really has, like like you said, it's really pretty, great production. You get these really cool, like, screen-printed meeple bots that kind of come into play here. So, uh, yeah, I think this is something you should take a look at. Take a look at now before it kind of comes up for purchase. Because I think that this is a game that you're you're probably going to want to get to the table. I mean, he's done such a great job, and he, I think he's only getting better. So, yeah, Weather Machine. Uh, Will be, I guess, hitting Kickstarter. Right? I think we're. This is going to be a Kickstarter yep. game. Yep. yep. So big
1: box Eagle Griffin game. I think th- they say Q
0: four, like October November. Sure. So it's going to be a little pricey if you put oh, yeah. those things together. <laughs> yep. One twenty ish. Remember games when games weren't pricey? <laughs> that was like three know. years or three four years ago. <laughs> I don't remember. There was a pandemic <laughs> in the middle there. I don't remember anything. <laughs> That's true. So yeah, Weather Machine, uh, Q4, end of the end of the 2000, uh, probably be hitting your table probably in 2022 or 2022 or God only knows at this point as far as time and space yeah. is concerned. Alright, yeah, so they that's... Usually, they
1: usually got stuff out in like a year, but I think right now yeah, good luck.
0: Right now we might see this game in 2222 because between the cost of wood right now, the cost of uh, transporting things, the pandemics, I mean there's like Everything right. Everything's a thing right now. So yeah, uh, yeah. So definitely check this out. I, I think this is something that if you have not seen this yet, or if you're not normally a you know a uh, Vitalis Serta or you know tool fan, I think this just might change your mind. I think that this game, at least the look of it, at least some of the playthroughs that I that I've read about, it seems like it does a little bit more than we've seen from other games. It's a little more streamlined. It's a more a little more thematic. And I think it's a little more fun. I think we're we're going to see this kind of game blow up. And Eagle Griffin does great production typically every each and every time. So, yeah, good stuff. Right. All right. So, Anthony, let's get on to our acquisition disorders. And we'll let people know if those games are a buy. Should They should run out and buy those games. Those games are a play. They should play those games. Those games are a dodge. They should avoid those games. Or if those games are, in fact, the dreaded burn. Because, unfortunately, that tends to happen. But... Please don't burn games. That causes, you know, weather problems in the future, and we need a machine to shut them down. So recycle them or reuse them. Or in fact, just don't buy them because reduce, right? Reduce is the first thing, right? Yep. Reduce, reuse, <laughs> and then recycle. Remember it. Those letter those words are not interchangeable. Reduce, reuse, recycle. All right, cool. So now that we have our eco- <laughs> ecological lesson here, let me talk about a game that I'm just gonna tell you right from the start. You should reduce. You should just not even buy this game. <laughs> All right. Now, one of the things about me, I don't go into too much detail about things in general, about my personal life, but my background is counseling. Uh, so I love the idea of a of a, a game that's based around counseling and in particular based around like intervention. So We Need to Talk came out in 2019. And what was really interesting right from the start was that this game was, or at least the artwork for this game, really kind of popped to me because if you ever watched way back, I don't know if it was like the early 2000s or late 90s, it's kind of hard to remember because, again, COVID, uh, Dr. Katz, the family therapist, you might remember it from like the Comedy Central, like the really kind of wavy artwork. And basically what he did was he interviewed comedians you know, in a kind of cartoon format. And usually they were they would just do their skit and he would just comment on it. So the artwork here I was like, hey, I remember that from like the 90s or 2000s. Again, whenever that time period actually happened, God only knows. So We Need to Talk is a ridiculous set of interventions for a ridiculous set of problems. So primarily in this game, what you're going to do, if you are the person that's being intervened upon, you are going to have a particular issue that needs to be addressed. So very simply, you're, you're coming to the group. You don't know what the issue is. Everyone is going to bring this intervention to you. And there are three rounds in this intervention. Everyone knows what your issue is. And they're going to get a card that says, we need to talk. And there are 274 cards, I believe, in here. A lot of cards for this for this game to play, and you're going to get something very out there. So, for the example card that I'll, I'll kind of talk about because I don't want to spoil anything thing is uncontrollable interpretive dancing. Now, that's what you're doing. That's what the intervention is all about. And now you have to deal with you know the situation. So the first round again is very simple. Everyone's going to give you a clue because they're broaching the subject, but they're only allowed to give you one or two words that are related to the problem that you have. Now, everyone wants to give you good clues because as they give you good clues, you give them points. And then at the end of the game, if you don't get it, nobody gets points. So that's a particular issue. Eventually, once you go around and that doesn't get you anywhere, then there's round two, emotional appeal. People describe how this problem makes you feel. And on this level, again, this is all up to your players at the table. So one or two words about interpretive dance. Again, it's a little difficult, but like they could say the way you move, right? They don't want to give you the actual word. When they talk about how do you feel about this, then it's going to be something like, I feel frustrated about this because, you know, you don't really communicate well with me. So as the person at the table hearing these things, you have to understand two things one is if you've not looked at the cards in this game you have no idea what people are giving you and a lot of these cards in the game a lot of these problems that you're having are you know sometimes they're more simple and obvious and i would say about two-thirds of the time they're really out there so like you know i don't want to give away things any you know anything else but Again, I got a kind of a weird, very specific thing that I would never possible guess. And I had my friends at the table who are very smart, intelligent people giving me the best clues that they could give me. And it was also weird because at the same time, you know you don't have a particular issue, at least not this issue. And you have your friends or people at the table going, I'm really bothered when you talk to me. Or I'm really uncomfortable when you bring things up. Or I'm really not happy with the way you feel about a certain thing. And you're like, I know this is a game and I know you're trying to give me clues, but I kind of feel bad about myself. Like <laughs> I can't help separating the two things. Um, you know, or like they go like, you know what? I really think that you, you know, um, you're not, you're really just out of your mind at this point. Like they're just kind of giving you just, again, trying to help you with clues. So again, the second round is all about giving you an emotional f- feel like I feel this way. And then finally, the third round is about offering solutions. Like, hey, uh, I think that you should buy a new car. And you're like, uh, how do all these things add up? You are given a, a good number of tokens to try to figure this out. And there's a little slider bar between how cold and how hot you are. And then at some point, the people who are at the table are supposed to you know, decide if you were close enough in order to get that guess correctly. My issue with the game is the issues you could possibly have are such again on such a wide spectrum that i don't know how well versed someone would have to be in this game to possibly give you the appropriate number of clues so that you can guess it. And again, the the fault with the game is somehow, you know, unfortunately, you know, built in because they want it they want them to be funny, right? They don't want to say your problem is kleptomania or you know, uh, you're a hoarder or something like that, right? They don't want to use like real world real world problems, but at the same time, like saying that you 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 uncontrollably uh, interpretive dance is like how would you ever pull those two things together? And it's just it's such a it's such a weird situation because there's no context to draw from other than the clues, but the clues are limited the rationale is out there and I was just uncomfortable with it. I was uncomfortable with like, again, hearing things about me that weren't about me, but they were about the clue, but I couldn't figure out the clue. And again, you have multiple people giving clues. So they're not always the best clue and you couldn't tie those things together. Some person is on one thematic kind of like drive and the other person's on another thematic drive. And you're just like, I don't know. Like, what is this? So each time we went around it was just kind of it was disappointment and failure along the way. It's a good effort from smirk and laughter games and I appreciate it cuz I wanted this game to work because this would be a lot of fun for me to use in a lot of different situations. But again, it's so broad and the questions have to be so specific that it's very hard to conceive of like the random possibilities here. So it gets a hard dodge for me. I'm not going to give it a burn because I think the attempt here is genuine and there's nothing broken about it, but it gets probably the hardest dodge that I could give you on this. There's so many better party games out there than that. Dude, everything you said the whole time you're describing, them, I'm like, this
1: sounds terribly uncomfortable and I'm not a huge fan of party <laughs> games. Like I get uncomfortable playing monikers or times up or any of these other games where I have to like do things or anything reflects on me physically or emotionally in any way. Yeah. Um, this does
0: not sound fun. So I, yeah, I'm
1: glad you say it's terrible because I don't want to play it. <laughs>
0: <So>. <laughs> and now you can emotionally distance yourself from a game that other people point at you and say, you have a problem with this thing. And it's so general that you don't understand that it's so wacky of the answer and you could never come up with it. So I don't know. I mean, I, I appreciate the effort here. I appreciate the artwork. I just wish it worked better. Yeah. All right. All right. So, that's our games at the table. Let's get on to our feature review. So, of course, my friends, you know it's our feature review, our eighth year anniversary, and Anthony and I are going to take a dive back into the games that we love to talk about in our acquisition disorders, the games we love to get the table at our tables, and of course, our favorite feature review. All right, Anthony, so why don't you start us off with your favorite acquisition disorders from this year?
1: (laughs) All right, my my first one is a bit of a troll choice, but it is also something I'm most looking Uh... forward to still. You know what it is, because you can see the spreadsheet. It's the Isle of Cats, Don't Forget the Kittens.
0: Yeah, there it is. It was, um, it was, it was a nice eight-year run. That's all I have to say. It's, oh, come on, come you on. You know, we, we we got far, and then all of a sudden, everything got quiet. Of all of a sudden, and this was it. This was the reason. Yeah,
1: it's the fourth time we've talked about Isle of Cats. I mean, you're, you, I you're know. Immune to it by stop now. <laughs>
0: talking about it. <laughs> my out, my cat allergy translates to a board game cat allergy, so oh, I can't, I can't do it. That's not man. good. No, I didn't I know. know that happened. I'm allergic to all games with grass. <laughs> no one tell Anthony that cardboard's made from plants. Don't tell him that. Don't He'll get very upset. <laughs> this is bad. I'm surrounded by cardboard right now.
1: <laughs> all right. I Love Cats. Uh, original game came out. It's up here somewhere. Uh, hmm? A couple years ago, I loved it. It's a polyomino card drafting game big puzzle. You can play it solo. You can play it with your family. They have family rules. You can play with a big group of people. It's like this very flexible game that manages to find all these different levels. If you like puzzly games, if you like cats, if you like silly fantasy pirate stuff. Right? I happen to like all of that, so this game's great for me. Um, Chris doesn't like any of that, so he's not happy.
0: Uh, I have not played it either, though. <laughs> to be fair, I've not played it, and I, I will give it a, a, uh, a look at you know, with okay. gloves. Okay. I'll on. take it. I'll take yeah. a look at it.
1: I'll take a look uh, at it. Yeah. So they ran another Kickstarter a few months ago. This was on my episode. Uh, let's see. 328. So this is actually about three months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a, it's a pure expansion, right? You've got kittens uh, that come in and they, again, you have solo family and standard game content. Uh, but this time you're getting three new expansions with all the content for this year. There is a big box, which I did go for because I have all the stuff. So I want to put it all in the big giant box, put it next to my stupid suburbia box. Um, <laughs> and there was a explore and draw. So a roll and write type of game. Um, I don't think I backed that because I don't need that, but everything else looked amazing. I'm super on board. I did get the pins because the pins are awesome as well. Cute little kitties. Um yeah, so Isle of Cats, it's not supposed to come out until like next year or sometime, but this is one of the ones I'm most excited about that we have talked about so far.
0: So I had to give it its due,
1: <laughs> despite your chagrin.
0: All right, if you say so.
1: Yep, yeah, no, as, I had as to I, do it.
0: As I said, it was a good run. Good Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Um, Some people so... are turning it off right now. Stop it. <laughs> Hey, it's it's a cliffhanger. Will there be a year nine? I don't know. <laughs> know. Anthony I mean, keeps talking about these stupid cats. I mean, that's we're gonna we're gonna switch to the cat and dog podcast. That might happen. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, our good friend Tim, you know, said us to switch things up, so it could happen. You're, you're a cat guy. I'm a dog guy. I mean, I understand that. This is the yeah. point where Anthony goes, "I'm not a cat guy. I'm a dog guy." And I'm gonna like, no, man. I've seen you with the cats. It's over, no, man. No, no. Cats live in the basement. Dogs outside the door. I'm just saying nah, we've, we've seen it on camera if you watch on youtube you could see anthony there's with so literally he...
1: one time the cat crawled in my lap and you act like i'm the biggest cat guy because it happened to like a game with puzzle pieces that look like cats he does a
0: dr evil thing with the cat that's hilarious so if you haven't seen youtube yet again thank you for subscribing to youtube but subscribe for more cat videos with anthony and if you like cat videos with anthony let him know because he's going to produce that it's content this, for you. This is
1: false advertising. He's making it up. <laughs> it's <yet>. not.
0: <laughs> All right. So let me talk about some acquisition disorders that are not feline friendly. So first up is On Mars Alien Invasion, uh, of course, by Vitalis Serta, and Eno Tool. Now, why this was one of my favorite acquisition disorders and games I backed on Kickstarter was because and they was talking about, you know, Enol Tools artwork kind of finally like being free. Like it could do just different things than what other than just a very clean design. And the same thing for Vitala again, producing wonderful thematic board games out there. But this one here, the On Mars Alien Evasion, does something different as far as the expansion is concerned. And, and ironically, I do have something to talk about that later as far as my favorite feature review. But basically, it really takes what is a Euro game and it turns it upside down on its head because there are three different – well, I guess in in total, four different chapters depending on how you look at it. But there are four different chapters in this game. And by four different chapters, four different modules that you can play in this game. And then the game plays different. And I love that about an expansion that it's just like it's not more of the same. It's taking the base game and making four different games out of it. And I'm just like, okay, I'm on board for that, you know? And the artwork here, again, is kind of different. It's it's really kind of like this kind of creepy alien artwork. The meeples are fantastic. The production's top-notch. If you've kind of liked On Mars, this was an expansion that you really should take a look at because, again... It's going to give you more than just what you already like. It's going to give you a different way to play the game. And I love that because I love Euros, but at some point they do become rote. Like you know what the best moves are, you know what the best places are, you know what kind of strategies you want to follow. Here, you get to play different games with the same thing. Now, I do also have one other acquisition disorder that really stood out for me, and that was Villager's... Uh, Shifting seasons. Now, for me, Villagers, when it first came out, just blew me away. I did not expect as much gameplay out of this very tightly packed box. And I was just like really thrilled about the whole situation that they were coming out with an expansion because, again, you just want more content with those great games. So, this expansion does, in some cases, what most expansions do it has those global effect cards. It has a new resource that comes into play, a new kind of solo mode that, that's available, and more of the same as far as special villagers are concerned. But the price point and the gameplay with villagers has always been top-notch. So if you didn't pick it up previously, this was a really great time to do so. All right, Anthony, what about yeah. you?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny. I can't make fun of you because I backed both of those Kickstarters as well. Uh, <laughs> I know. But like On Mars was our game of the year, yeah. For a reason, we both loved it. And Villagers, I'm the one who introduced it to you. So you did? Obviously, we both love that. Um, so my other one, which I think is a game that, if nothing else, you're ambivalent towards, is Paperback Adventures. <laughs> um, so this one was up on Kickstarter uh, a little while ago. It was on episode uh, 326, so a couple of weeks before Isle of Cats. And it is a solo-only version of Paperback that Mm -hmm. uh, was released on Kickstarter Um, paperback being a deck building game in which you're building words and, you know, pretty basic deck building rules. Mm -hmm. Um, Hardback is one of my favorite games of all time. It's in my top 100. It's a iteration on paperback. And so this is the like revised refined campaign version of the solo rules of paperback, which are very good. It's a lot of fun. So they've basically turned this word building game into a roguelike deck builder, which is so cool to me because i like all of those things right so you have you know there's all these roguelike deck builders that are on steam right now um that it, it, like video game wise and they're like let's make a card game version of it because this is kind of where all these mechanics started and this is what this is so I, i'm all about this tim Fowers, i love all of his games you can't go wrong um, mm-hmm. ryan goldsberry's artwork is perfect for the paperback universe and i um, super psyched for this one
0: yeah, I mean, I own Paperback, I own Hardback, I own, I don't know, it feels like at least another half dozen of his other games, Word Domination, Burgle Brothers, so no, I'm on board with Fowers, I, I i think I, I, at some point I was steadily collecting his games, I wasn't sure about the solo mode, so that was one of the things I wasn't too sure about, but yeah, Hardback is, is awesome, I mean, his games have been great, and they're again, yeah. There are a lot of game in a very small box for a very reasonable price. And considering how board games going, you know, if I had to make one suggestion to people about, you know, purchasing power, it would probably be from Sinister's Fish, Villagers and Streets. And then for Fowers games, anything Fowers produces, because again, they're so small, compact, and they're busting. Like they have so much value to them. So yeah i mean that's yeah, absolutely a great pick on that too all right Anthony, let's get on to the games that actually hit your table this year what was the tops of the tops for you
1: all right so i got two uh, again we're doing two here uh and they had to be solo games because from august of last year until august of this year it was 90 percent solo gaming right <laughs> very short window there in the spring with. Everybody's vaccinated. Everybody's healthy. We're all safe. Let's play some games. But then kind of back to solo gaming now the last couple months. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the first one for me is Lost Ruins of Arnok. This was my review on Episode 298. I gave it an emphatic buy. It ended up on my top 100 list at number 18, like a month later. And it's probably even grown more so since then. I play this game a lot. Um, The solo version of this was very good. And then they released a solo campaign, uh, which was amazing. Like if you have not played that yet and you like solo gaming or you like Lost Ruins of Arnok, I highly recommend you go play that. Mm -hmm. Um, They also have an expansion coming out soon, which is going to add like asymmetrical abilities, starting powers and some new cards and stuff. Definitely check that out when it comes out. But just all around, this was you know, one of, if pro- if not maybe the favorite game of mine from last year. Um, again, On Mars kind of won out, but this is the game I played the most by far. And, uh, you know, it's online now, too. You can play it on Board Game Arena. Just all <laughs> the different things. Like, their marketing plan on this was just spot on. Once it hit, they took off with it. Uh So this game, not only in terms of, like, when I reviewed it, because it surprised me. It was, like, one of those things that showed up as a review copy along side under falling skies which is the game i expected to fall in love with and didn't even play for six months um and i was like oh i'll try this one out and i just just fell head over heels for it so lost Ruins of arnak definitely is my uh favorite review of the last year the other game i wanted to mention um again just kind of on that solo train is root the clockwork expansion mm-hmm. so There was new Root content that came out at the beginning of 2020 uh, with the Underworld expansion, which I reviewed at the time um, when I was still playing with people. And I played a bunch of times with the new factions. But the Clockwork expansion also came in with that Kickstarter release. And this is four different Clockwork um, factions that you can play as from the original release of the game. And there was one original like the Clockwork marquee uh, from the original release of the game, which was not great. It was fine. You could play it solo, but it wasn't great. And then there were like better ones you could do online. And they kind of iterated and improved based on those online ones. And now we have the Clockwork expansion, which is amazing. It does such a good job of like replicating what these factions should do in a game. So whether you're practicing playing the game and just wanna give it a go against the Clockwork things, or you're trying to play two players and you're like two player and root is not great. So let's add in a Clockwork. Whatever you want to do there, it's really, really cool. Um, I played this a bunch last year, and I guess this year. Mostly early this year in January, February. Um, and I'm very much looking forward to the second batch of Clockwork expansion stuff that's going to come with the next expansion, the Marauder expansion, uh, next year when that ships.
0: Yeah, no, both both fantastic. I haven't played the Clockwork expansion but obviously, got a chance to play the Runes of Arnak and loved it. I thought that was a really a fantastic game out of left field. I guess, you know, CGE for a long time just hadn't brought out, like, a new big box game. I mean, I think we both like Sanctum. But yep. it was like, oh, that was kind of a weird thing for them to bring out. Good, but kind of a weird thing out of left field. And this was just, like, right down the middle for them. This yep. was absolutely CGE through and through. And everything about the game was high quality and just, I don't know, it blew me away too. I thought it was a, a great game. And I can't believe the expansion's coming out as fast it is, as it is. And I'm really happy about that because, again, it's one of those situations where I'm just like, oh yeah, more. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> we could have more of the thing that we like. <laughs> Yay, more thing.
1: And then <laughs> we should mention about Arnak too, because we talk about like crazy prices all the time. Like these games costing, yeah. the weather machine's gonna be like $120 on Kickstarter. Lost ruins of Arnak is $60. You can get it online for like 40 something. It is 100% worth that price. It is. It's not even it, they could I'm, have charged 80 for it. They easily could have charged 80 and people would have paid could've. it. And they didn't, which is amazing. Yeah. CGE, you're awesome. Shh, <laughs> like, don't
0: tell them. They're going to charge I 80 now. Damn it. Anthony. No, they're not because they're awesome. They're not going to do it. All right. <sighs> no, it, it, I agree. I mean as far as like you know value for the components are great the boards great the artwork's great the graphic design's great i i i look we can we can go into this more detail but again in the show notes will be all of the episode numbers along with our recommendations here if you haven't listened to those episodes or if you have jump back because again we feel like it's worthy to jump back to those episodes So, Anthony, I'm going to talk about two of my favorite games this year. Uh, Obviously, as you said, it was a little bit of a different year with, you know, I don't know, things happening. Let's just call it things happening and just move on for the moment. Um, Praga Captu Regni. This was a game from one of my favorite designers, and I know yours. You got a chance to play this too, right? I did. Solo only. Probably
1: the same for you, but um, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I got to play this with a group
0: as well. Oh, good. Once, good, once good. we got a, a little a little clear on that, but there were two solo modes. One solo mode that came in the game, and then one solo mode you can kind of download. That was a better version. The initial mm-hmm. solo mode with the game is just not good because it really doesn't scale very well for that solo play. And then it's just like you're just, I don't know, you're running the machine just to run the machine. But this is from one of if not my favorite designers of uh, Vladimir Succi here and what was just blew us away initially and I and I believe I had this as an acquisition disorder way back when was this is a really long, beautiful piece of artwork that they're claiming is a game board. But it is, it's a game board. Yeah. And then on top of which are these 3D elements, the the very famous bridge and these kind of like castle buildings where you can kind of move up. And basically, you are touring and building up. And there's a lot to like about this game, but it really is not shown in the single player. You have to play this ideally at the four-player count. Uh, I know BGG says three is best. It's not. It's four because you do need to have that competition and you do need to be able to build up the city in order for everyone to benefit off the bonuses. That's the one kind of failing grace with the game is that, yeah, you can play solar, you can play two players, even three players, and kind of put stuff out there, but you really want to be able to benefit when someone actually builds something. It should be more dynamic to that end. So, again, this is a game that, you know, I think you could pick it up for about $65, uh, you know, and I, you know maybe a little bit cheaper on some online sources, but still a very good value if you do play at the higher player counts because it does not scale well for that. But fantastic game, definitely worth the play, and uh, really glad to have that at the table. The second game is a game that also I talked about that I think for many of us out there has been kind of stuck in transit for a lot of us. This is uh, Nava Du This was a game about uh, dwarves trying to put together um, the best team possible to kind of track down a dragon and just, you know, mess him up for all the things that he did. And really, you know, the thing here about this dwarven kingdom that kind of came together is that the artwork was so unique. It was a, it was a really kind of like artistic depiction of these dwarves that all come from different classes, whether they're blacksmiths or warriors or explorers or hunters or miners. And as you do that set collection, you get different bonuses. So there's a lot of ways to score points in this game, but it's a bidding situation where you don't just have your normal bids and you see if you win or you lose, but you're also able to upgrade your bids as the thing goes on. So you have your like I guess like four coins that you're able to bid in the game and then you're able to kind of like you can bid on certain things. You still have your zeros, so there's multiple opportunities to bid, you know, put your three bids out there, make them high, but also you can combine the two ones that left over. So you could have five coins out there and play, and then you get the bonuses in the midway through. And then there's all these kind of special cards. There's a whole section of special cards that come into play if you're able to pull the the appropriate number of cards together or have the most in those kind of situations. And then it's just like, and then it really opens the game up to a second level. So this was a game that I was, you know, really highly anticipating because the artwork And the production was so good. But I was really glad to find that it was a game that I could actually get to play each and every time with people because there were multiple ways to play the game. And the coin building system was very unique. It was almost like a deck building system where, like, I'm going to cash these in and get something better. And then maybe later in the rounds get something that might actually benefit me. So it wasn't a standard kind of, like, auction kind of situation. So, Great game, set collection, card drafting, your typical victory point game, a lot of fun. Uh, definitely check it out.
1: Awesome. Yeah, that's not a game I've had a chance to play yet uh, because, right. for the reasons you mentioned. But uh, Praga Cop at Regni, it's good. Yeah. Remember, I, I gave it a play. I don't know if I reviewed it on the show or not, but like my final
0: decision on that was a play but i again i need to play it with people i think you got to play with people it doesn't it doesn't scale well it doesn't have that that board is beautiful but it doesn't really have the ability to scale very well right um so yeah so definitely good some good games to check out this year there's so many more definitely check back on our episodes on that all right that leads us to our final feature review which is our best feature from the year
1: yeah absolutely so uh, we ran a little bit of an experiment with the show for several months uh, over, the, over the course of the last year um, where we did uh, live versions of BGA on Board Game Arena on their Twitch channel. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the shows are fairly sim- similar, like you probably heard them and didn't notice a huge difference. But one episode we did that I really enjoyed at the feature in particular was our ultimate Uwe Rosenberg tier list. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was on episode 312 and you know, the audio is absolutely available to you if you want to listen to it that way. And it sounds great. You know, obviously Chris, you did an amazing job editing it and making it, everything makes sense <laughs> and not just like, look at that, which is never fun <laughs> and audio. Um, but if you want the full experience, the video from that segment of the show is on YouTube. So you can go to our YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash C slash board gamers. Uh, anonymous and the ultimate Uwe Rosenberg tier list is there from February 13th, 2021. And it's us running through 34 of Uwe Rosenberg's games, uh, making a tier list from our typical levels from buy. I think we even had a level above buy, right? It was like, ultimate, we did, must,
0: what was yeah. the name of
1: that? It was essential, right? Yeah, so essential, buy, play, dodge, burn. Um, and we did. All 34 of his games that either of us recognized. Because there was a few oddballs from like 20 years ago that were like, What is that? Uh, and it was a lot of fun. And, and when we got to the end, there was some contentiousness about a few games. Uh, if you look at the comments on YouTube, you'll see that many people agree with me about Newsfjord. So oh, like, that my. was fun. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, that was a blast. Um, it's one of those things we've you know hope to come back to like once we're both settled obviously with all the moving and everything recording video is not super easy but uh it was just a lot of fun to do and just to kind of run through one of our favorite designers and discuss everything of his that we've played or touched on and where it kind of ranks in a fun you know tongue-in-cheek kind of way
0: yeah i brought this up to you as as a you know an opportunity or an experiment and i'm really glad that you were game to go along with this i mean Big kind of shocker here. You and I are anime fans. I don't. I don't know how. Right. Knew- <laughs> Jeez, what? they play they play board games and they like anime. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, so it's one of those situations where you probably, if you're an anime fan, have come across these these tier lists, and it's typically all about the strongest anime characters out there. So you have your special level you know, at the tippity top. And obviously if you're going to think about, you know, managing and like organizing something that's the same, but also different, it would be Uve Rosenberg games, because they're right. also like, they're variations of each other. As far as like, you know, from like normal human to like ultra max, super Saiyan, legendary God <laughs> mode. Right. Right. You know, like yeah. w- whatever the mode is this week, because there's always a new mode. So yeah. And that, and that was that kind of idea. Yeah. And I, and I think, and again, I think that's one of those things that's really important to know because some designers like Uwe Rosenberg, they are constantly refining their design, which is fantastic. But at some point, like you got to pick one of those games, (laughs) you got to just, and you know, it's, you know, he's got his puzzle games and he's got his, you know, all of the wide range variations of farming and farming light games out there. So yeah, I think they are a lot of fun and I think that those are, you know, lists that we will definitely do moving forward in the future. I don't think anyone is as unique as Uwe Rosenberg as far as like those kind of power levels and the same thing. But um I think we should, we should definitely come back to that. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think you know we'll we'll see we'll we'll see what we could do with that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if if any of you have a great idea for a tier list that you would like to see, yeah. let us know. Um, in a couple months, when we get video equipment in place and studios set up, we will absolutely revisit that.
0: Yeah. And uh, Ray Colt isn't as bad of a game as Anthony says. So there. Uh, but neither is yeah. Newsfjord. I didn't say that. Well, look, yeah. look, look at the Froden. list. Look at the. Feast Frod. Feast Oh come on! Come on! Come on! <laughs> now, come on! You, it, your, your bread is shaped this way, your crown is shaped this way, and somehow you flip it over and it's an olive. Yeah, probably the
1: aesthetics. The game's great, man. I don't know which <laughs> one. So bad.
0: <laughs> All right. So an episode, a, a less controversial episode, so to speak, is the feature review, which was the top 10 board game expansion types. Now, it's not the top 10 board game expansions. We've already done that several times as they kind of, you know, revised and there's new ones come up. But we actually did research on this. We actually went through all of the top expansions and looked for the underlying themes, the underlying productions. And really when designers decide to come out with an expansion, typically it breaks down to one of these 10 possibilities. And some of these possibilities are better than others, so when you look at board game expansions, you can you can kind of get a sense of like hey, is this just a solo mode or is this a five player game mode which Anthony of course hates right off the bat or is yeah. it more of the same does it add, you know, an extra resource? But There is, you know, there are 10 variations or slightly more in some cases, but there are 10 variations of this. And it's really a lot of fun to think about when you think about your expansions, which kind of versions of expansions do you like to get to the table? I've already talked about On Mars having this kind of different module system and then even Villager Shifting Seasons having this global effect kind of system. So a lot of things are occurring in the expansions that we see. So in the future... Probably these board games are going to have more of the same, which means these expansion types will come up in the future. And it's also a lot of fun to kind of play with as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Now, that was a fun episode, not just to do, because there's like two levels to this and you guys don't always see the... Back half of what we're doing, but the <laughs> research itself can be fun. Sometimes it's yeah. not fun. Sometimes it's like I gotta find one more sports game for this Olympics thing, <laughs> and there aren't any. But sometimes it's like, oh, like how do we, we take all these different expansions? And these are my favorites. And how do we categorize them and build these different sure. things? And how do we make ten of those? And that was a lot of fun to do. And then to kind of run through them and break it down in a way that made sense for not only you all, you know, the regular listeners, but somebody who maybe just stumbles upon that list someday new to the hobby and says, okay, now I understand how board game expansions work. Um, It was fun to do. It was, it was a cool idea.
0: Yeah. And again, some of those expansions are standards because they're standards They're They, it makes sense that, you know, you may need extra player colors or extra players or solo modes or more of the same. And, A lot of those things make sense. And then there's some extraordinary stuff. So if you haven't checked out those episodes, check back. All of these special episodes, our favorite acquisition disorders, our favorite at the tables, our favorite features will be in the episode guide. So you can find those episodes and check those things out. Please do. They're a lot of fun. We've been doing episodes for eight years and we try to make them as evergreen as possible so that this way you have an archive just in case. Let's say, I don't know. You get quarantined for a ridiculous amount of time and you want something to listen to and you want to listen to your friends talk about board games and you can't get to them. So you're like, hey, what about my podcaster friends? They're they're talking about board games. And like, yeah, man, we got you covered. Eight years. Eight years, buddy. We got you. Still (laughs) here. So that's our feature review. All right, everyone. We hope that you enjoyed our eighth anniversary. Looking back at the latest and greatest in board games. We've been so glad and appreciative of you listening each and every week Uh, putting out an episode each and every week is challenging. Is it difficult is expensive in some cases, but we do it because we really love having this contact with you, having this time with you, sharing board games with you and we hope to do so in the future. So until then, everyone, please keep safe, Uh, stay safe at the table so that when the convention season does come around safely, We'll all be able to join together at the table. Anthony, anything on our way out?
1: Yeah, man. I mean, everything you said was amazing. Um, You guys are all amazing. And this year in particular, you know, this whole last 12 months has been uh, trying in many ways. But it's, you know, one of the things that keeps us going is knowing that you're out there listening, playing some of the games we're talking about, commenting on our questions of the day, engaging with us on Discord supporting us on patreon all these different things it keeps us going keeps us doing the show because it's fun it's engaging for us but it's also just really nice to know that you're out there and mm-hmm. uh that's why that's why we keep doing it so eight years and counting we'll be we'll be here next year for year nine <laughs> <laughs> i like your enthusiasm kid it's
0: gonna take us far <laughs> yeah and, unless there's another isle of cats kickstarter and then it's done <laughs> i tell you no, it's important, like, again, Anthony, our, you know, the, our friendship over, what, it's been a decade now, it's been longer than the podcast has been going, sure. uh, it's it's uh, very important and appreciative, and obviously, it's challenging dealing with board game industry, just in general, for so many reasons, especially the last two years, if you've seen anything about board gaming, you're like, oh, I had no idea all of those things were there, like, yeah, they were yeah. all there, <laughs> so, you know, uh, It's been a journey, my friend. I'm glad to have you along with me. And again, there's been plenty of challenges throughout the way. You know, plenty of challenging people. And thankfully, plenty of challenging games to get to the table. So um, it's been a joyous adventure. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you, everyone. Um, We look forward to joining you next time. Until next time, though, this is Chris. And this is Anthony. And after eight years, we're so glad to have you join us at the table. Take care, everyone. Take care.